Hi, I'm Tom Field, Senior Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking today about blind spots in the threat landscape. It's my pleasure to be speaking with Mike Cotton. He's Senior Vice President of Engineering with Digital Defense. Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, no, glad to be here. Mike, when we talk about the threat landscape, what are some of the latest trends and the shifts that you're particularly paying attention to? Yeah, I, you know, I think one of the interesting things about my job is uh, I get to work with a lot of talented penetration testers. And so, you know, a lot of times they, they kind of, you know, use tactics that are sometimes ahead of the curve, you know, ahead of what malware is doing. And recently we've been seeing some new malware variants which sort of mimic these advanced attacker tactics and kind of use things that we, we'd been waiting to surface but hadn't surfaced yet. So um, there was a lot of press coverage over the Astroth attacks that Microsoft highlighted and the way that they used fileless malware and really malware that did not necessarily target a specific CVE-able vulnerability, but really was almost a reboot of what we used to see way back in the day where people were sending shell scripts and executables over email. So we thought that was a shift and particularly interesting. It does seem like there's more of a shift to attackers using configuration or tactical issues to attack key endpoints or infrastructure, as opposed to sort of relying on, you know, the latest flash vulnerability where there's a, a new vulnerability released and then an exploit comes out and everyone rushes to patch it. So it seems like they're shifting to things that current security postures maybe aren't well designed to combat as much. Well, a couple of follow-up questions. And my first one is about security postures. How do you see these shifts impacting those postures? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think the challenge that security postures have had in the last several years is, uh, you know, as attackers have gotten more advanced and gotten better at routing around them, I, I think there's been a, a tendency to kind of want to double down on the same sorts of tactics, but just smarter, you know, and so we... You know, there was there, there was this idea of, you know, we're, we're going to bring machine learning in and, you know, maybe that will solve, but keep, you know, the sort of same endpoint paradigms and same firewall paradigms. And while those things are helpful, they, they don't necessarily solve the problem of attackers gaining a foothold and then gaining more intelligence on a network and then starting to pivot through. And so one of the fallacies that we sometimes call out is um, a lot of times we'll see companies like focus on one part of their network and say this is the really important part so this is where I'm going to put all the super antivirus defenses or other sorts of network-based protections and you know what, what they really fail to understand is by the time the attacker sort of makes its way to that key critical point in your network they're, they're not slinging kind of lateral movement exploits so much as they, they've already picked up administrator credentials four or five hops ago, and they're just coming in as a valid administrator, and they're moving into that part of your network. And that's going to be very, very hard to stop. So I, I think the defenders need to be more tactical, and they also need to be better at 
combating not just vulnerabilities, but configuration issues, which present a weakness even beyond the, the normal patch cycle. Mike, it sounds like what you're saying is that these shifts are actually creating new blind spots for defenses. Yeah, they are. You know, I think it's a challenge because, you know, traditional audit paradigms often, or security audit paradigms often rely on looking at vulnerabilities rather than the configuration issues. You know, it's, it seemed like very simple configuration issues like default passwords. Uh, those were baked in a long time ago, and people understood how to deal with them. What they're having a harder time with is, you know, things like fileless campaigns where there's not necessarily anything that ever hits the hard drive to develop a signature on or maybe even be able to effectively simulate in a sandbox environment. I think they're also struggling, too, with there, there's more and more need to kind of rapidly deploy and rapidly and take advantage of cloud services and things that can speed up deployment. But because of that, you know, the perimeter has just, uh, the traditional continuous network block perimeter is just totally gone. You know, it, people have things up in all sorts of different clouds, you know, some stuff on site, people working remote. And so even though there are elements of traditional security posture that still work in those environments, it's just a much, much more complex paradigm to defend than your old sort of castle-based firewalls on the outside endpoints on the inside paradigm. And so that, that's been a challenge for a lot of people. Mike, we've talked over the past few years about the concept of dwell time. What can you tell us about some of the myths and realities around that concept? Yeah, yeah. I, I think dwell time is a concept that started getting traction and being talked about mostly in the context of threat hunting. This idea essentially with threat hunting that once something makes its way past your initial line of defenses, you need to have a mechanism to go ahead and kind of detect that and see if there's a way that you can backstop your existing security defenses such that even an initial failed detection from your firewall or email gateway or uh, endpoint protection system still has some sort of way to backstop and detect a threat that's made its way into your network. And so, so with dwell time, one of the myths I think is, you know, that all this can be done by, you know, one kind of single point of failure system. You know, I think there's um, an idea sometimes, and some of it is just the financial incentives for vendors in the security industry you know, I think everyone would love to say my single technology handles all these things. You know, I handle the antivirus, I handle the incident response, I handle the dwell time detection. And the problem with that, I often point out to people is, you know, you can have the greatest endpoint protection software in the world, but if it's not installed, it's not going to be very effective or even if it is installed, but maybe it's been disabled. So something we see a lot when we do see instances of dwell time out there is actually a surprising amount of time there is endpoint software installed, but one of the things is, is a lot of times advanced variants, if they get there ahead of an update or some sort of a mechanism to detect that new advanced variant, a lot of times they'll cause interference with the endpoint software talking to its primary server such that the node gets orphaned and isn't able to go ahead and properly update and maybe essentially left defenseless. So 
a lot of times people think of dwell time maybe in terms of something that can be handled just with an endpoint solution, but they don't necessarily think about, well, what if uh, you know, a server gets reverted to the point where the, the productions aren't active or aren't installed or maybe are being interfered with? Like, how do you deal with that sort of a blind spot? So, Mike, if we were to take a step back, how would you suggest that security strategies need to change to counter the threats we've been talking about? I think it's multiple levels of defense in depth. It's kind of a long-standing strategy we've always preached, but I think with more attacker tactics, it's becoming more and more important. You know, it's not enough to say, hey, this one security technology I have will handle that you have to actually go into kind of other scenarios and say, well, what if it's not installed? What if maybe it is installed, but it fails a detection? What if it doesn't handle this particular type of attack? So you have to go through sort of the strategy process of saying, if I do have a failure, if some component fails along the way, what then? You know, does it have backup? Are there other kind of overlapping technologies? You know, ideally for some of these advanced campaigns, you could say, okay, I will attempt to catch this maybe at my email gateway, and then hopefully my endpoint software can catch it. But even then, I have some sort of a threat hunting or alternate detection mechanism in place where even if I see a point of failure along the way or a couple points of failure, I'm still covered. So it's difficult sometimes because Security vendors, understandably, will try to say, hey, I'm, I'm the guy who saves the day and shows up and defeats all the malware, and that's why you should write me a big, big check. But unfortunately, the technologies you know, often have some weak spots, and you just have to assume uh, or you have to incorporate into your strategy a mechanism where if something doesn't do a detection, hopefully you have multiple things backing that up. Mike, final question for you. Talk to me a bit about digital defense and tell me what are you doing to help customers to make these changes you've just outlined? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think digital defense has, you know, one of the things I loved about coming to work for digital defense is it has a, a pretty kind of illustrious and deep background in penetration testing. So, you know, during penetration tests, you know, our uh, consulting teams, our operations team will go out and they will often simulate attacker tactics, you know, while trying to go ahead and illustrate the uh, true network security posture of a network, you know, trying to actually penetrate systems, route around defenses. And so we really learned a lot and continue to learn a lot from those tactics. And one of the first things that I was really surprised by is how incredibly easy it is for them to route around antivirus and endpoint protections and other mechanisms that they use to kind of uh, maintain access to a network uh, once they have routed around those mechanisms. And so that sort of mentality has really kind of informed some of the automated systems that we deploy. So we have a vulnerability scanning system, which is, you know, looks, number one, at key vulnerabilities that uh, attackers tend to exploit. You know, not just what is the CVE number, but how likely is a penetration tester to actually exploit something like this. And it also looks at configuration issues that don't necessarily have a CVE. Maybe it's like a, a hidden mechanic password or in just a known weak configuration fundamental to the technology, but kind of helps turn on a black light and kind of show you from an attacker's viewpoint, what does your network look like? 
And then uh, we also have a threat sweeping component that we use. So when we are kind of sweeping through a network, auditing endpoints, we can kind of peer into the endpoint with an active threat mode and we will actually see, hey, is this a instance where, you know, the antivirus software has not been installed? And, you know, let's actually scan the entire persistence chain and running memory and see if there's something there that looks suspicious. So it's a way, you know, if maybe like most IT departments, you're doing a pretty good job, you know, installing your AV, but maybe it's only on 90% of the systems, you know, that's very, very common. Maybe it's gotten disabled. It, it gives you a way to kind of back up your endpoint protection software and kind of just, you know, turn on a black light and just see those key spots in your network where maybe something is wrong. So, so it, it's really kind of informed by the background and penetration tests that we've had. And, but yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a very interesting job and, you know, I get to see a lot of really interesting things. And so I think it's a great position. Oh, excellent, Mike. Thank you so much for your time and insight today. Okay. Yeah, no, thank you. I really enjoyed the chat. Again, we've been talking about blind spots in the threat landscape. I've been speaking with Mike Cotton. He's Senior Vice President of Engineering with Digital Defense. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.